0: Thank you. And hey, welcome back to another episode of the Conspiracy Skeptic. I'm your Conspiracy Skeptic, Carl Nehmer. and uh, with me today is uh, two two people. I don't know if I've had two people before. Oh no, no, I have had two people before, but um, uh, two males. This would be actually a, a change. Uh, I've got Tom and Cecil from Cognitive Dissonance Podcast. Hi guys. Hey,
1: sausage
0: hey, party. <laughs> True. I, I I insisted I I get dressed
2: before we did the podcast, so uh,
0: <laughs> just to make sure, right? Just just you know, yeah, I like, get it. I get
2: it. You know, just on the off chance the old webcam turns on for some reason.
0: Boom. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so uh, we'll get a bit about you guys. Um, so you, you do a podcast called Cognitive Distance, and and what's that podcast about?
2: Oh, Tom, this is all you. <laughs> well, you know. It's a, uh, it's a skeptical and atheist podcast. Um, and, uh, you know, the whole idea behind the show is to just have a very irreverent, um, take on current events, news, things that would be of interest to the skeptical and atheist community. Um, and, uh, what we're really trying to do is not so much, um, educate you in a way that you, that you can't find elsewhere, but to entertain you in a way that you can't find elsewhere in the community. There's so many sources of, um, wonderful sources of, of of education and terrific resources for people who are just getting into atheism or skeptical topics, or who want to delve deeper into those subjects. Um, and that's not our show. Right. Our show is um, we, we we cover those subjects, but our show is really, you know, it's it's all about the irreverence. It's all about the the, the jokes and the laughing and the having a good time with it. You know, because it, you you've got to have a place that you can go and and not just um, have a have a show that, that gives you all of the information, all of the dry sort of details, and that stuff is very important. But a place that you can just kind of fuck around now and again and, well, and have, a have a good time. time. Do you have an explicit tag? Oh because
1: yeah, we're we're gonna... that's kind of something we need to know. Oh yeah, no, 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 I swear, swear
2: swear as much as
0: you. <laughs> oh, oh good, thank God. I did check that. I had
1: oh to... goodness gracious! <laughs> yeah. Oh my I, goodness. I, that's I, another I... thing too, Carl. This uh, that our show really is um very irreverent, and we don't we don't uh. We don't couch our language. We we talk how we normally talk, and Tom and I are pretty foul individuals. So it's basically an atheist show with a lot of dick jokes. That's basically
0: it. When you do kind of a uh, sort of a... You know, an atheist podcast and sort of you know, or, 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 or irreverent. It, it, it's very easy to sort of come off as being kind of like asshats, and 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 oh uh, yeah, yeah. And and there are there are plenty of you know, atheist and skeptical podcasts out there that I, I sort of listen to and go. Ugh. And then I don't listen to it again because it's just they're just kind of coming across as asshats. And
1: we're one of those. We understand. <laughs> no, no, no,
0: that's not what I'm leading up to. You're like, you're like, hey, this is one of those gotcha podcasts. Yeah,
1: no kidding. Right. <laughs> and we're done. Yeah, yeah
0: no. no that, that, I mean, I, what I like about your podcast is it, it sort of immediately becomes apparent that you guys aren't asshats. That you, you and, and it's just. I mean, a lot of times it's just it's just pure chemistry, it's just the, you know, two people sort of come together, and it's just a good chemistry, and it and it works, um, talk, talk a little bit more about that, like, how did you guys come together, how do you guys know each other, uh, how did you start doing this podcast?
1: Well, we met, uh, Tom and I met in junior college before we both, uh, um, shipped off to regular college, and, uh, and we've been friends pretty much ever since, and this was, this has got to be over, it's over a decade at this point, we've been friends, um, and we just we just you know we hit it off we both sort of had a lot of similar mindsets when it comes to politics when it comes to atheism when it comes to skepticism i think we kind of both got into the skeptical movement about the same time uh you know we just we just it's something that sort of drew us to it and and the chemistry i think is there because we hang out a lot and we uh, the group of friends not just us but a group of friends that we hang out with, we all just like to laugh and kid around, so there's a lot of joking that happens, and Tom and I just have this, this ability to kid around with each other and make fun of each other, and make fun of situations and still be able
2: to laugh at it. And I think neither of us have any, any interest in uh, eschewing a good joke for good taste. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And, oh, that's, yeah. <laughs> and, that's, and because of that, it's, it's, you know, you're really this is a show where we're really just having a good time. This show, the, the, the difference between this show and you know, Cecil and I just getting together and, and hanging out, uh, is there happens to be a microphone on.
1: Yeah. And there's a list of topics.
2: Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's a little more directed, but beyond that, there's really no pretense to it. You know, the, we, the, these are things that we would talk about and have talked about for a long time. And, uh, we, we just figured at some point, well, we, we initially we had a podcast called Everyone's a Critic that we had done for years. Um, we started that in 2007. And, uh, we did that up until very recently where we broke apart Everyone's a Critic, um, into two shows. Everyone's a Critic used to do, uh, movie reviews and then news and politics. And then the news and politics just naturally because of our, our interest, um, started to go the skeptical and, and atheist route pretty readily, pretty quickly into the show. And, uh, the show really was two shows. We never admitted it for God. Four or five yeah. years. Yeah, yeah. And uh, finally, the show was getting out of hand in terms of, of the length of the show. is coming up on like two hours sometimes on an episode. So we broke it apart, and cognitive dissonance was sort of born from that. So, yeah,
0: you guys, uh, you, you sort of really picked up, I think, a lot of listeners after uh, Irreligious, that that Mormon show. Um, <laughs> after that, that sort of. <laughs> That's a really hard one to say. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. The the, uh, the the Mormon show after that, irreligiousosophy. Uh, after that sort of ended, right, you guys saw a little bit of a bounce in your uh, your, your listenership. Yeah.
2: Well, we definitely got some emails and things from people who had who had come over from that show. I think because one of our listeners had posted on their message boards and said, "Hey, you know, if you like irreligiousosophy, you guys are gonna like." you know, cognitive dissonance and for the most part their listeners have, but um, we've had, we've had a lot of success from the show. We never even heard of your religiosity until somebody posted on the, on the message boards. And that's not a knock against them or their listeners, but um, we just were unaware of the show. Um, but we, we've had a lot of success uh, from cognitive dissonance from, you know, other avenues like Stitcher. That was a huge bump for us. Uh, getting, getting pushed into Stitcher and then iTunes and some other, uh, doing interviews like this has really helped.
1: Yeah, we've we've met we've met a lot of different podcasters. The old podcast never really had a space for an interview. There was just so much content that we just didn't have a time for an interview. So we've been spending our time reaching out to other podcasts, and that has really helped us um, grow in the last. Uh, we've only been doing this for about nine months now, and uh, we've grown quite a bit. We're actually one of the top atheist podcasts the last year for the About. dot com poll. Um, so we're, 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 we're doing pretty well, but, uh, but it's really reaching out to other podcasts like you and like other people and just meeting their listener base. And a lot of times people will listen and be like, screw these guys. These guys are idiots. And you know, they're probably right. Yeah, and, right. And, and then, and then there's other people who are like, Hey man, these guys might be funny. And so they'll listen to us. And sometimes we get listeners that way too. So, but irreligiosophy, uh, their group was very vocal. They, uh, they, they have a very, uh, tight knit group of people. They had a forum where they had sort of a culture there. And so we got a lot of messages from people from irreligiosity, but um, but the messages certainly didn't match the numbers that we were seeing. So. Right.
0: Yeah, the thing with ir- Irreligious uh,
2: the Mormon show, you guys... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <they're>, <laughs> hey, if you, imagine trying to spell the damn thing. Uh, you, know, you uh, trying to uh, type that into a search bar. It's like, ah... Well, the,
0: the guy who started specifically took that name just to, to sort of mess up his uh, his co-host Leighton, So <laughs> I, don't, awesome.
2: I don't feel so bad. <laughs> adversarial from the beginning. Yes. Yes, yes, exactly.
1: adversarial at the beginning and evidently adversarial at the end too. Right. I'm <laughs> no kidding.
0: Now, now, those two guys. I mean, they were they were sort of raised like extremely hardcore Mormon. That you know their their their, their dad would read them from the Bible and the Book of oh, Mormon yeah. and every and and uh, and. And when they did their podcast, I mean, they were very sort of, you know, uh, you know, verse and chapter sort of um, uh, knowledgeable about the Bible and, and the Book of Mormon. And 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 you guys are, are are sort of a atheist. You talk a lot about religion, but you don't you don't sort of come quite from that sort of um, almost you know theological uh, standpoint.
1: No, uh, I I myself uh, was religious growing up. I was actually it's funny. I do a show now that's you know skeptical, liberal, and atheist, and I was. I was gullible, conservative, and Christian back then, <laughs> so uh so but I, I you know I've come a long way, uh but I was never uh in so indoctrinated that i I read the Bible or went out to go convert people. I was Catholic, so that's not a mm, yeah. it's kind of it's kind of like uh religion light like you go when you want at least it was for my family. You go when you want, you believe sort of how you want to believe. Uh, it really wasn't. Uh, it really wasn't as dogmatic as as other faiths. Uh, so I didn't grow up in a real like deep faith tradition, but faith was part of my life. Now Tom has a different story.
2: I was actually a Muslim suicide bomber. <laughs> uh, it didn't take, you know the. It was, it was all fake TNT. They didn't tell me, you know. They thought, oh, it's real funny now. Yeah. No, <laughs> I. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I grew up, I guess, Methodist. Um, we we went to church twice a week when I was a kid, but I just went for the songs and the food. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I was a fat kid. I'm like, you guys have a pig roast? I am down. Let's do this thing. I'll eat the fucking thing's ear. I don't care. <laughs> so uh, religion for me just didn't, it just never really kind of took. Um, I, I wasn't real. I would go with my dad, but we never would, like, go to church and then come home and then ever say God again. Right. It was like he went okay. to church, it's Methodist, so really it's just like you know, everybody try to be a decent person and work hard. Okay, I can get down with that. That's. Um, I don't remember them ever reading the Bible in church, ever. I, I mean, I, I don't recall that happening at all. And, uh, you know, if they did, it would be sort of ancillary to the sermon. The sermon was really just you know, hey, Try to be good and sit there like, yeah, I do that. Um, when do I get the food? Can we get back to the food and the singing of songs? I like that part. I'm seven, you know, like yeah. I just, I just want some fucking grape juice and bread. I, I haven't had breakfast yet. So it, when, when I, when I came to an age where, uh, you know, church sort of became optional and my dad's interest in faith petered off as well. We actually worked for the church as janitors, my dad and I. And uh somebody pissed him off, and in, in true form, my dad just never went back to church again. And he hasn't been back in 20 years because somebody at the church pissed him off. He just he just won't go back. So church for me just wasn't something that took, and religion just wasn't something that took. And as I started to think about it, it wasn't a it wasn't a great leap for me to say, well, yeah, no, no, that's that's not true at all. No, that doesn't make any. You know, you just start to think about it. You come of an age where you where you're encouraged to begin thinking independently about things. And, of course, you know, religion at some point becomes one of those things that you think about. And uh, it doesn't take long, I don't think, you, you know, unless you've got that uh, driving need, that sort of social need that's instilled in, in a lot of people from a young age. Mm-hmm. Without that, you can't, I, I would argue, you can't spend a tremendous amount of time really thinking about it and come across um, more solid in your faith.
0: There seems to be, um, I mean, you know, two, two kinds, um, two kinds of atheists. Or, there's probably more, but, you know, for, for the sake of, uh, well, let's just say good, two. Let's talk yeah. <laughs> right now. For the sake there's of good, good podcast, we'll just say two. There's only two. <laughs> Which one are you?
2: So, uh, you so know, listen up, everybody. There's do have, two of you. Yeah.
0: Do you have black on one side of your face and white on the other side of your face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, there, I, I mean, I encounter on, especially through my podcast, I encounter a lot of sort of atheists or, or skeptics who were very, uh, you know, raised in a very hardcore religious environment and, you know, get ready for the, you know, the end of the world and all this sort of stuff. And then there, there, there was something that really made them go freak out and, 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 and they, they they come from there's there's a certain well of bitterness like you know geez, all those years I lost believing in this crap whereas it sounds like you guys and, and me me too I mean I um I'm very liberal Canadian Catholic my my joke is in, in Catholic school you're required to believe in God but the divinity of Jesus was kind of left up to your own moral consciousness <laughs> but uh, you know like it sounds like you guys that you just you know you, you there was a religion you went to it on Sundays. God, Bible is never mentioned at home, and it, ju- it just kind of, you know, as you grew up, it's like you stopped believing in Santa Claus and, and, and the Tooth Fairy. And the, the, you guys don't feel a lot of, like, bitterness or anything like that, do you?
2: I don't feel any, any personal bitterness. Um, I feel a lot of, um, I don't think bitterness is the right word, but I, I, I feel a lot of uh, distrust and disgust of the way that um, religion has entered the public sphere and dominates the public sphere. Um but as far as my personal life, no, not at all. I mean, it's a non issue in, in my house now. It's um you know, religion wasn't a big issue for me growing up and it's a total non issue in our house now. It's not like we ever sit around and say, Oh geez, you know, I'm so concerned about you know, what if I'm wrong? I mean, mm-hmm. that's never that, that I can't even I can't even imagine that coming up in my house. That's bizarre to me to even contemplate. Yeah, you know, you
1: know I, I'm the same. I feel the same way. Uh, there's, uh, there's, there's obviously some, some outrage that comes out when when you talk about politics in this mm-hmm. country because for some reason, uh, we say that there's separation of church and state. At least part of the population of our country says there's trip, separation as church and state, but there really you know, there's a lot of people that are pushing for a uh, a Christian nation. They always talk about how the, the our nation was founded on Christian principles. So you have this this uh sort of back and forth that happens in the public sphere in our country that is just um in a lot of ways baffling but then also ang- it, it just brings out a lot of anger you have Rick Santorum who really wants a Catholic Sharia law in our country if he were elected uh he has a lot of different crazy ideas um that guy's you know he is perfectly unbalanced at this point yeah. I have no idea why anybody would vote for him but we have we have a lot of religion in the public sphere that I can get angry about. I don't have uh, – my wife is actually uh, a believer. She's a universalist, so it's a really light mm-hmm. sense of uh, Of it's not – they don't follow a lot of doctrine or whatever. And, and I actually met my wife through talking about God. So our first conversation was about me being an atheist and her not being. So uh, so we – you know, I, I, I've seen belief and I, I, I live around people that are – that believe and, and I don't ever have any, any ill will towards people who believe – I just don't want anybody to push their beliefs on me i want I want uh, we'd say this on our show all the time that the lowest common denominator of re- religion is is uh atheism or secularism where there is no religion. you just pretend religion doesn't exist in the public sphere, and that's what we that's what we try to push for all the time
0: yeah uh, no, no i my podcast, I always ask. I call it the the Korean questions. I, I lived in Korea for four years, and and before Koreans can talk to each other, they're they're like modems that have to sort of negotiate. And, and, and
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: do they make those sounds? Okay. Like, do like?
2: This I is great, I've learned there's two types of atheists and Koreans are modems. This well, has been God.
1: the- <laughs> I'd like to apologize to all the Koreans. <laughs> I, did, I did
0: develop a theory that Koreans, they, 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 they talk to each other via some sort of chemical means. that pheromones? That <laughs> they, like they, yeah, they just, they just seem to know things and you're completely left out of the conversation and it's like, what? There's
2: a, there's a school trip tomorrow? In my case, what they would know is Korean. You
0: yeah. know that would be' sure <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: whole other language <laughs> their own language here I don't know Korean, <laughs> but
0: before Koreans can talk to each other, they have to sort of find out their each other's social schedule who's older, you know what job do you do, are you married you have children and and once they kind of find out where they are in the pecking order, then they know how polite or how rude they can be to the other person, so i like, you have to sort of ask, uh, you know, are, 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 how old are you? Are? are you married? Do you have children? And uh, how, and what What do you do for a living? So, if it's not too personal, could I, could I ask you guys those crazy questions? Or how old you are you? I, I, Cecil mentioned he was married. Uh, do you, have, do you have children? What do you do? How old are you guys? Et cetera.
1: I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to be 39 in July. So, I'm nearly 40. I'm, cl- I'm closing in at this point.
2: I'm about 34, Um I'm married, I have a child, uh, five year old boy, and uh, I actually work in real estate, um, despite all my best efforts.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I work, I work at a university and I am also, uh, I am married but I have no children.
2: Okay. And, I, uh, I can send my W-2s to you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> great way to do it, though. I mean, you just yeah. wear it like a pin, you know? Right. You just wear I would that.
2: actually have, like, a sandwich sign, okay. you know, it just has... <laughs> I mean, fuck it. If it's pecking order, let's, let's just get that yeah, shit I mean, done. Yeah, like,
0: yeah, just broom that shit, yeah. Cool, okay, all right. And, uh, uh, do you guys have a favorite conspiracy? Well,
2: I think the one that we, um, that, that we enjoy bagging on, the one that, that gets us really kind of, uh, kind of laughing and kind of angrier, the sort of, the sort of natural cures, mm-hmm. you know, the, uh, uh kevin trudeau style uh you know here's some shit they don't want you to know about um we did initially a long time ago and uh everyone's a critic um i was watching this uh this commercial for detox foot patches (laughs) this is is going this is kicking it way back but um and i thought it would be funny to buy a, a set of those detox foot patches so i went and bought a whole bunch of those detox foot patches and uh, I covered myself. In <laughs> like, I just put them fucking all over myself. Um, and then I just got one a little bit wet and put it in the bathroom. And uh, we actually have some pictures from our, our old website of me sort of laying about with detox foot patches on my chest and back. and got and
1: over his nipples at one point. <laughs> it's like, it's not, a, it's not a pretty picture. It's, it's no, kind, it's kind totally of one of those not-safe-for-life pictures. Yeah. Like You look at it and you're like... I don't know that I want to see any of this stuff ever again. Because, you know, I mean, you know, I, I I fall in the same category. I'm a very, very white guy from the Midwest, so these are... You don't want to see me with my shirt off,
2: yeah, No, There's a reason we don't have a lot of beaches. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good thing for us. That's yeah, yeah. Like sweater yeah. ho. <laughs>
1: yeah, the hoodie is a fashion statement down
2: here. Mild winters are unkind. Are yeah. you kidding? This is... I need to be. I'm better when I'm parked yeah, yeah, you can yeah. turn parka into a verb. I'm imparked. Yeah, like that's that's really foot tough.
1: patches. Though this was awesome because because uh, those those foot patches started disintegrating at certain points. Um, <laughs> there's there's some that the control group got as dark as you could possibly get because the a- the acid in there, the vinegar that's in there, reacts with the gauze and just makes like a nasty little little color.
2: Mm-hmm. So, you know, and it's it's so funny because you look at something like that. Well, it's detox foot patches. Really? I'm All the toxins in my body are flushed out of my feet because you put a patch on my feet? Like, were I to believe in toxins, which I do not, but were I to think that there are just random, undifferentiated and unnamed toxins floating aimlessly about my system causing all manner of ill will? So were I to buy into that argument? What What is it about my feet? Like, wouldn't my feet be one of the least porous you'd portions they'd have of my like, body? You'd think it's they'd it's the have, like, part...
1: kidney patches where they put it by your
2: kidneys or I, something, you know? I mean, like it's the part of your body that evolution has dis- it, 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 for you to walk upon. Like, that's the part that would be least prone to having shit just randomly move through the skin as if it were some kind of toxin doorway. (laughs) It's it's so blatantly and obviously nonsense. And and most of these natural cures, um, they don't require you to have any special knowledge of medicine or um, uh, biology in order to take a look at them and to to just say, no, that's nonsense. It's utter nonsense. And
1: the conspiracy, I think, behind all this is that that either big pharma or big medicine, uh, there's a lot of money to be made in both those fields, mm-hmm. and the money that is being made is enough to make sure that people are unscrupulous and that they wind up with, uh, they wind up trying to trick the general public into using medicines and using things that are either uh, ineffective. They claim they're ineffective, so like regular medicine and regular treatment is ineffective. Or specifically poisoning you so that they can make more money off of you. And to believe in that conspiracy, you have to allow for a lot, a whole whole lot of uh, a whole lot of cu- a cutting of corners here because the idea that that first off that there's a uh, there's a some sort of entity that is controlling what what people believe that that idea that somebody is is saying we're going we're going to put out this something this this medicine that is not uh it doesn't do anything for you but but people will take it anyway and then they become sicker and then they'll they'll eventually die that's really just a heartless and cynical view of the world in in the worst way i think
0: mm-hmm. I, I mean you know the um you know one of the things that the 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 alt med conspiracy type sort of you know claim is the uh you know the medical establishment, they you know, they want to get you hooked on these treatments and not have to cure you, they want to keep you coming back for more. But then when you look at a lot of alt med treatments like chiropractors. Right. I mean you know, it's never like you go there, you get your back cracked and but you know, Hazana, you're cured and Yeah, you're done. Yeah, yeah that's it. No, you never they,
1: come back. Yeah. They want
0: you coming back all the time. And and right. if you, if you look on the internet and you sort of look up chiropractors, like a lot of the literature out there is is, is not about like Hey, does this is crap work? It's like you know, business development. You know, how do you get people coming back for more? How do you sell them right, right, yeah. more stuff?
2: Right. My wife works for chiropractors for a long time, and that's part of the the business plan is to put you on like a maintenance schedule of yeah. chiropractic. You know, so you gotta get your oil changed every three thousand miles, and you gotta get your back cracked every, you know, week or two weeks or whatever your insurance will pay for. Um and you know, that's that's exactly the point, right? You know. I had strep throat not too long ago. I went to the doctor. The doctor gave me antibiotics. I ran through a course of antibiotics. It didn't take. I went back. I took more. Ran through a second course. I was fine. No, I don't expect that I'm going to have to go back in another six months for the same ailment, right? I mean that's nonsense. It, it doesn't hold water. It, you know, most of these alt med treatments do require multiple visitations because. They're not done milking you out of your money yet. Um, you, you know, you, you go to a, a, a regular doctor, and unless you have a long-term chronic illness, for the most part, it's you go in, you get treatment, that's it. That's it. Most most things that you go to the doctor for are, you know, one or two visits tops. You get some kind of medication for it, and then you're you're off on your merry way. Yeah, certainly there's chronic illnesses, but chronic illnesses make up a much smaller percentage of total doctor visits. You know, most people don't have a chronic illness. Most people have some short-term acute illness that they go, they get treated, it goes away. But you go to alt-medicine for, you know, even a, an acute illness, and what happens? You've got, you've got uh, something that's going to naturally go away within 10 to 21 days or what have you on its own. Right. You go. You get some treatment. It goes away. You were also getting treatment. You fucking mix up correlation with causation. You, you attribute the getting better to the alternative medicine therapy rather than just, hey, this particular illness, this acute illness, has a lifespan of about X number of days. X number of days has passed. I got better on my own. Now, whatever you were doing in the alt-med community, that has now gained in your mind some kind of special significance. It has, it has garnered for you some kind of anecdotal proof. And now you'll go ahead and get involved in their maintenance plans and buy their supplements and get your back cracked every week. And what are you getting out of that? You're, you weren't in ill health before. You were then in ill health. Now you're better, but you just, it's fucking homeostasis. Yeah. I'm, I'm on this, um,
0: uh, consumer sort of, website called, called Yelp. I don't know if you guys ever heard of Yelp. It's kind of like Facebook, but you know, we review restaurants and sure, that, right, that right. sort of stuff. And it, it's a lot of fun and it's a big community and, and there's a sort of a talk board and people can ask different questions. And, and someone wants to know, like, where can they get, um, uh, you know, hair testing, guy thought he had some sort of mercury condition or something. And, and, and so I sort of looked that up and I, I found out almost this, this, you know, hair analysis is just kind of crap. And, and so I pointed to him a, a site where they, you know, they took, um, hair analysis and they took it to different naturopaths and, and, Six different natural paths all came back with six completely different <laughs> diagnoses. And, of course, they. Did. Yeah, and, and so I pointed this out to him, and and he kind of hand waved it away. Now, what I found interesting is on this review site, if someone said, "Where can I go to a good mechanic to get my car fixed?" and if I said, "You know, look, they did a study of there's a place in Canada called Canadian Tire, and uh, uh, you know if you got your car fixed at Canadian Tire, they took you know they took a car in and six different mechanics that Canadian tire all had six different opinions you would go you know what i don't think mckinney tire can really diagnose a car what they're claiming can't be done but but for some reason when it comes to alt med people's sort of um uh you know kind of consumer little consumer skepticism goes out the window why why do you why do you think that is
1: we have we have some some theories i know tom has some theories on this but i'm often baffled by that carl uh you know, if your if your TV is on the fritz, uh, you don't you don't call the TV repairman and say, "Well, my TV isn't working." And he's like, "Oh, well, it's the Florgendorp. And you're like, "Oh, okay. Well, I'm just gonna pour some fucking apple cider vinegar on it, <laughs> and uh, we're gonna see if that works." Uh, you don't do that. Nobody does that. Your dishwasher is fucked up. You don't you don't pull the pieces out and then try to like turn them and twist them so that they they work again, like to to crack their back, so to speak. You don't do those sorts of things. You, you call an expert, the expert tells you something is wrong, here's the thing, the various things that are wrong, and then you fix those problems. We have those people for the medical profession, they're called doctors. The problem is, is that people seem to think that they know better than what the doctor is, and I know Tom has a very interesting theory as to why this is.
2: Yeah, I, I, think, it's, I think it's a combination of a couple of things. I think first, um, the stakes are so high for people. Um, when you talk about your health, when you talk about, um, you know, your well-being, your personal well-being, um, especially for people who do suffer from chronic pain or chronic illness, um, the stakes are very, very high. And people don't like this idea that, well, you've got X problem and uh, there's no cure for it. We can't we just can't fix it. It's not like, you know, you go to the mechanic. Like, oh, my alternator's broken. Well, we'll put a new alternator in there. You can't show up and be like, "Well, my immune system doesn't function properly." Well, we'll just put a new immune system in there. Um, there are some problems for which we don't have a fix yet. Medicine is not at the end point. We have not reached the the pinnacle, the culmination of all medical achievement, and and uh, wiped our hands and stood back and said, "Okay, we're fucking done." Um, instead, we're in the middle of a of, of, of a process. Um, and I would say we're not even in the middle. I'd say we're at the very early stages of a medical process, of a medical science process, and there's a lot of things we just can't fix. But because the stakes are so high, people, um, they want somebody who's got a definitive answer. They want somebody who can say, it's your alternator. Here's a new alternator, or here's how we fix your alternator. Um, Because you're, you're talking about otherwise having to accept Well, holy shit, I have a chronic condition. It's likely to get worse or it's, you know, not likely to get any better. And I have to learn to live with it and, you know, scale back my daily activities in such ways. And, and that's a scary thing. And so I think it's very natural for people to say, um, Oh, no, I don't, you know, I don't like that answer. That answer does not (laughs) work for me. I'm going to go get a different answer that sounds better. Um, so I think that that's a, that's a big part of it. I think also that everybody has a body. And it, th- your body is is the vehicle through which you experience your life. It's, you know, and that's that's obvious, I'm not saying anything new, but because of that, you feel this intimacy with your body that you don't feel with any other mechanical item, with any other series of, of pumps and valves and parts. And so you have this idea that, well, I, I know my body. I know when I feel, I know what makes me feel good. I know what makes me, and to some degree you do. You know, I mean, if if I eat, you know, six jars of peanut butter, I feel great. <laughs> yeah, you butter every morning. You know what I mean? Like, you have, you have experience with your body that tells you things that, that you've uh, grown accustomed to. And so um, because of that intimacy with, with the body, because this is the vehicle through which you experience your world, um, you want to believe it can fix itself. You want to believe in, in this sort of the, the sort of this spiritual power of this thing, this, this awesome thing that defines who we are in so many ways. And um, to go to a doctor and have them say, well, you know, bad news, it's your, you know, immune system or, you know, what have you. And uh, we don't really have a great fix for that. And, or, hell, you know, we don't really even understand what causes this problem. And we don't have good answers for that. That's not, for a lot of people, that's not acceptable. So they go to an alt-med person, and alt-med people always have an answer, right? Nobody ever shows up. To their alternative medicine uh healer or doctor, and they say, You know what, I'm not sure what's wrong here. That's never happened. And they, they never say, Well, I'm not sure what's wrong, and I'm unwilling to treat you. It's always, I know what's wrong, here's the problem, we've got to balance your energy, lay down, it's reiki time.
1: Yeah, that or or there's another there's another thing too, is sometimes if especially in, in the realm of cancer, the treatment can sometimes make you feel bad. Actually, very oftentimes make you feel bad. So they they do this treatment once or twice, and they they feel like shit, and then they and then they immediately want to reject it and uh you know inhale some incense and meditate for a half an hour with someone and think that that's going to save them. Uh the the problem is is that people people they want to feel better. And not taking chemotherapy uh, drugs will make you feel better in the short term, mm-hmm. but it will make you dead in the long term and people don't realize that the long term that, that it has long term benefits, and they will oftentimes trade uh, trade real treatment for placebos which do have some ability to make you feel better in the short term but don't have any long term effects at
0: all yeah I had uh, well- Ten years ago, I had a bit of a lung cancer scare. It, it turned out to just be a benign lump, but you just go into the doctor and you get a chest X ray. I I think the doctor maybe wanted to pump up his bill a little bit and, and you know put a routine chest X ray on the bill. But but uh, you know you, you find you know he finds a spot on on in the, on your lung in the X ray and says you know it could be cancer, could oh. be cancer, 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 and, and, and you know. And, you don't you don't feel any different you know all what has changed is that there's a piece of paper that says you know right. cancer 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 and and <laughs> and and there's a decision point you have to make at that point it's like it's like okay go for a CT scan and get a biopsy and someone sticks a needle in your lung or you don't feel any different about coughing up blood I feel completely healthy or just ignore it you know and yeah. and, and there are certain percentage of people that just go you know what I'm just going to ignore it, and and luckily, as I say, it was just just kind of a lump of fat in my lung. But uh, too many cheeseburgers, you know.
2: <laughs> I have lumps we of understand. fat on my whole body, yeah, so I understand yeah. that <laughs> for sure. Yeah, you know, the thing is, like when you go to a lot of these people, they set up a um, they set up an environment, which, and this I do think that that some some doctors might have something to learn from because they set up an environment. That is uh, generally very peaceful, very relaxing. You get to be the focus of somebody's attention for an extended period of time. You know, a, a lot of these therapies include um, some partially legitimate therapies like massage. Mm-hmm. You know, massage is a legitimate therapy, and and for some for some things, and you know, massage of course feels fantastic, right? And you go, and it's not just you know you don't you don't lay down when you go get a massage. You don't lay down on a, on a, on a operating table under harsh lighting, right? I mean, you go into a nice, dark, comfortable room, there's soft music playing, you're the focus of somebody's attention for an extended period of time. So when you walk out of it, you feel great. Well, I mean, the same is true of a lot of these alternative medicine uh, practitioners. um are practitioners, rather. They set up an environment where you go in, they give you an extended appointment. So now all of a sudden, it's not the you know, 15, 20 minutes with the oncologist, it's, wow, I got an hour with that naturopath. Yes, yes. Well, sure, because no one's banging down his goddamn door because he's not <laughs> an oncologist, right? <laughs> I got an hour with that naturopath, and it was soothing, and he put me at ease, and it's relaxing, and I already feel better. And he yes. did his therapy, and I already feel better. Well, yeah, you feel better. You you would have felt better if you sat in the sauna for an hour. You would have sat better, you know, felt better, rather, if you had... Uh, you know, a, a nice massage by a trained uh, massage therapist. Um, it didn't get rid of your cancer, yeah, but well, you do—you do, you, you did have a nice hour.
0: When you're at the natural path, I mean, you're you're on the clock. You know, it's like okay, every minute I spend with this guy is, you know, five bucks a minute or or, or whatever. Whereas if you're going to a medical doctor, the medical doctor knows okay, insurance is going to reimburse me X for this, right. and <laughs> there's only so many hours in a day, right? Right.
1: Yeah, well, that's and that's and to to think that um that a doctor isn't thinking the same the, isn't having the same thought process about money is I think a bad way to think. I mean, yeah. obviously they are thinking about money too, and the same thing goes with the idea about big farming. When people are like, "Oh, all big farmers out for his money," it's like, "Fuck yeah, they are. Absolutely, <laughs> they are." But but the well, you have to understand too is that I there is there are risks to the things that doctors do that are shady. Uh, if a doctor does something like uh, make you come back several times for no reason, he can then be sued for malpractice in our country. Yeah. You can be sued for these things. The uh, drug companies take big slaps in the face when their drugs get tested and fail. They take huge losses and hits. Um, Viox is one of the examples where Vioxx gets, uh gets tested by somebody and it gets proven that it actually... Uh, it, it's, it's bad for your heart, it's bad for heart attacks, and suddenly it's pulled off the, off the shelves. That's a bad thing for the pharma, pharmaceutical companies. They want to avoid losses like that. Doctors want to avoid being taken to malpractice, uh, malpractice court. So there's these safeguards put in place. The problem is, is that the alt-med people have no safeguards. There's no. nothing. There's, uh, there's no regulation on them, and then they use these vagaries of prevention. Or they'll say wellness, or they'll use vague terms like toxins, where there's nothing you can pin it on them. It almost feels like they paid their lawyers up front to get <laughs> all the proper language so that they don't get fucked later on. And so they're—they're—I mean, they're obviously both out for money, but one of them has safeguards and one doesn't.
0: Yeah, I mean, it seems like uh, to like you know, sort of in the, in the public sphere, if you sue a doctor for a malpractice, I mean that's you know that's you're you know you're 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 really winning something. But if you know if oh you know if you're suing a, a naturopath and, and then it, it's like it's it to just a clash of worldviews
2: and, and yeah that. you're beating <laughs> up on the little guy too right yeah, like, exactly I'm just a naturopath you know fuck that noise these guys make a lot of money yeah they and do I don't have a problem with them existing I don't all they need to do is do the same thing that any other responsible Medical practitioner does, right? Prove your therapies work. If you want to go get Reiki or you want to go um, take supplement X, great. I am, I am down with that. Let's do it. But let's have an established control group. Let's set up an experimental model that can be reproduced. If they work, if these things really work, there should be no resistance, no resistance at all. To, to saying, okay, well, let's let's set up a good study, let's reproduce it, let's publish our results, let's get the, you know these results in a, in a in a peer-reviewed journal, let's let them reproduce it, and then fine, that enters now the canon of accepted medical theory and accepted medical practice. The thing is that these things don't work. If they did work, they would have already done that because people are looking. Look. Every kid who comes out of med school and is working in a lab, you know, he's not working in uh, in clinical practice, but is working in labs. He's working for pharmaceutical companies, bio, uh, biotech scientists. These guys are all looking to make a name for themselves, all of them. They, they, they want to be the next, the guy who finds the next big thing that makes or breaks your career. If you're the guy who invents the cure for cancer, It doesn't make any difference if the cure for cancer is six cucumbers an hour, right? (laughs) That means nothing. If you're the guy who first published that shit, you cured cancer. You're rich. There's statues erected in, you know, every town square across (laughs) America. They name every baby for like six years after you. You make all the money, just all of it. They're just like, how much money? I'll just take all the money. If you do things like that, it doesn't make any difference what the cure is. Yeah. All you need to do is be able to demonstrate it, prove it the way that we've established. The scientific method works for a reason. You know, it's it's the best way to learn about the world that we've come up with. If there was a better way, I'd be down for it. You know, it's, both sides. it's just such nonsense to think like, well, oh, you know, big pharma doesn't want, you know, they're holding back the cure. They've really cured cancer and they don't want you to know that they've cured cancer because then they, can't keep selling you chemotherapy and radiation treatments and just they tell you all the time. You hear it all the time. Follow the money. Follow the money. It's like, well, I have you know, I would argue the same thing. Follow the money. Imagine if you're Pfizer and you're like, I've cured cancer. <laughs> I don't have to tell you that it's all cucumbers. <laughs> I don't have to tell you that. I don't have to. I don't have to tell you what's in my drug. That's it's right. patented. So they wouldn't care if it was cucumber juice. they're just like I fucking cured cancer. Our stock
0: is going through the roof. I think, I think if I discovered the cure for cancer, I'm not going to big pharma. I'm going to RJ Reynolds and all the tobacco industry. And I'm <laughs> saying, I'm saying, boys, the bidding starts now. Because if yeah, exactly. you, with every pack of cigarettes, you can, you can package the cucumber cure for cancer. Like every government is going to be off your ass. I'm going to go to DuPont. I'm going to go to the asbestos industry. I'm going to go. <laughs> <"Captain?"> <laughs> yeah. That's this <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, the, the people don't. And, and the other problem too is it, it's there, there's this idea that the the American medical system is the medical system of the world, whereas you go beyond America and you've got Canada and Sweden where you have these public healthcare systems that that pay huge amounts of money and 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 at some point these 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 public health care systems just don't want to be shoveling money to big pharma, right?
1: Well, yeah. Well, I mean, one thing I wonder, uh how prevalent because you're you're Canadian, how prevalent is it uh is the alternative medicine by you when you can get treatment at a re, uh, at least reasonable prices because down here I think there is something to be said about making a choice on based on your dollar amount, right? Like this chemotherapy might cost thousands and thousands of dollars. Getting my back cracked doesn't cost that much, so I might make a, a cost choice. Is that something that c- they consider up in Canada? Is that or in other places where they have socialized medicine?
0: You know, that, that's 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 a really good point, and I, I, you know, I can't really answer that. I mean, I know that I mean some people Friends of friends seem to sort of be big into the, the alt med and always, you know, the, sort of the crazy diets and the, the, those sorts of things. But, but
1: would they, would they, would they turn down cancer treatment if they had
2: cancer? I wonder.
0: I I, I would hope not,
2: but I, I think well,
0: <laughs> I, I would hope not too. I would hope
2: not too. <laughs> Although, you know, Cecil, that's a great point, right? Because if you don't have to pay for medicine, you can get the real the real medicine, yeah. and then you can supplement. With whatever brand of nonsensory that you want, and then you can choose which one worked at the end,
0: yeah. I mean, or it a, didn't
2: work at
0: the end. I mean, that's always the other sort of classic issue too, is that people will, you know, they'll go to their oncologist, but they're also doing the coffee enemas, and they right. they they get cured of cancer, and and it's not the not the the, the chemo and and the, the targeted drugs, but it was the coffee enema.
1: Yeah. Well, then there's also the detox idea, too, right? Like, people will say, like, there's a preventative measure you can do, and it's detoxing. And then they sell them these pills with a little bit of fucking stuff in them that makes your shit turn into rubber. And then they, they take us, and, and that's a, the craziest thing. You see these uh, web pictures all the time. Those things are not safe for life, too, by the way. You see a web picture of wellness where somebody takes a, takes a crap, and there's a big, long rubber turd that comes out of them. And, you know, the thing is, like, who craps in their fucking tub anyway? Like, who does <laughs> you know nobody craps in their tub like i've never maybe when i was like a a year old i may have crapped in the tub but since then that has not happened but you know they they do these things there's some hucksters out there that will that will trick you into this and the detox is for prevention right they're talking about preventing you from getting cancer so like oh you'll never get cancer if you take my you know pills that turn your shit into a big rubbery mess and that's what they do and and there's a lot of things like that there's a there's a supplement industry that's based off that there's a there's they they try to sell you juicers and apple cider vinegar and all these garlic all these natural cures that aren't really cures they're just natural preventatives to try to get you to say that you'll never get cancer if you juice, you know, a bulb of garlic into your carrot juice every day.
2: Oh god. You also that, don't have
1: friends by the way if you do that right. you although you,
2: your vampire problems are significant.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you have friends they just don't have a lot of you know those are your friends like that don't have like
2: very sensitive noses i guess because yeah, right. They would like hang out with somebody the deficient yeah exactly just, and nobody I, I, everybody wants to converse with me from across the room yeah. i don't know what that is <laughs> but i feel great i just feel energized right I'm, just, right. I'm so full of fucking phytonutrients i can't stand it yeah <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm fucking beginning to photosynthesize that's how full of phytonutrients <laughs> i am i'm i'm just taking my energy straight from the sun at this point I've developed a chlorophyll system that's, uh, working wonders. I, the supplement industry, I think, is the biggest scam on the market, right? And, and all these, all these alt-med people do, they all have the same methodology. I've, I've, I've encountered the same, uh, advertising methodology on all the sites that I go to. It's, first they sell you fear, right? That's the first thing that they sell you, and they're very good at it. So they're gonna sell you fear of a couple of things. They sell you fear of, of, uh, aging and disease. Then they sell you fear of the uh, existing medical structure that's in place. Then once you're, once you're afraid of getting sick, and then once you're afraid of conventional therapies, now they sell you their therapy. Because yeah. they all have a therapy to sell. And it's oftentimes supplements, and supplements at least in the states, and I don't know how it is anywhere else, because as an American I actually deny the existence and importance of other countries. <laughs>
1: But it's, it's I, part of it's part of what you go through. I mean, there's no other way to do it.
2: It's now in the pledge. Yeah. It's actually in the Pledge of Allegiance. Right Health. at the end there. It's, um, but, they, you know, we have we have an organization called the FDA and the FDA regulates actual medicines, you know, so they have they have to prove to be safe and effective to some degree. Um, and there's problems with that system, but they, they have to at least demonstrate that they are safe and effective. Um, supplements aren't held to any standard at all. They don't have to be safe. They don't have to be effective. They don't have to contain any actual ingredients. They don't, if it says a hundred, you know, milligrams of uh, echinacea, doesn't necessarily have to have a hundred milligrams of echinacea. If it's, if it says echinacea is good to boost your immune system, they don't have to prove it. They just to put a little warning says these statements have not been evaluated by the FDA, or not intended to treat or cure or do a goddamn thing. And they put that in small letters on there and then, you know, all these idiots uh, sell their cure. You know, it's it's. you're afraid. You're afraid of conventional medicine. Here's my cure. Try my cure now. Only twenty nine ninety five
1: <laughs> or they or they sell you. Um, they try to they try to the, the other thing that they try to sell you is that, you know, there used to be uh, people used to be much more healthy and they used to live longer lives. And, you know, they used to do these natural cures and uh, and that's what was happening before medicine and everything was fine. But now medicine is screwing everything up. But that's if you look at the evidence, that's completely false. The idea that we used to live till the ripe old age of thirty five and now we're living to be double that is it's it's there's evidence that that shows that. So they're not making they're not making the uh, correct claims when it comes to that stuff either. But they'll they'll try to give you this this idea that, well, our ancestors did this, so therefore yeah. it's valid.
0: I mean, I, I'm sort of a bit of a history junkie, and I, I like to read biographies on Wikipedia and stuff like that. But one thing that always sort of strikes me as fascinating is when you look at sort of people, the biographies of people, I mean, from Abraham Lincoln, you know, on, on up, that in sort of the the, the personal life section, there's always something like, you know, Abraham Lincoln had 12 children, two of which survived to adulthood. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. right. And, and and that was just the natural course of things. Absolutely, you, you had a whole lot of children in the hopes that one or two survived. And and it's so, tough Tom, you have you have a five year old, and you expect it's beyond question to you that that five year old is going to survive.
2: Is going to. Yeah, I need the tax breaks, man. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Yeah. He's so, got to make it eighteen or so. You know, I mean, I can't be. Yeah, of course it is because it's 2012. Yeah. Because I have and I live in a developed fucking country and I don't work in an industrial uh plant and I don't work on a on a, a family farm or you know, uh, stra- yeah, yeah. I expect him to live. It's I have every reasonable expectation at this point in history to expect him to live. And you know, Carl, it's funny you you, just, you mentioned the, like twelve kids thing. I'm looking right now. I'm in my office recording this. And I'm looking at my. Family tree. My dad did a genealogical thing years back. And it's, it's exactly what you said. Everybody has dozens of kids, right? They're all duggers. Everybody's a fucking (laughs) dug. You know, they're just like shooting those things out like a Nerf gun. Sure. And, you know, then the tree just narrows. It's like, woo! Here's a dozen kids. And here's three kids that make it to seven, you know? And, um, there's good reasons for that. I was, I was reading this book, uh, called The Science of Fear. It's a great book. Um, and they have a long section on cancer. And one of the things that they mention is that, um, you know, cancer is a disease of aging that vastly disproportionately uh, people who get cancer are old. The old people get more cancer because cancer is a disease of aging. It used to be that a lot of people got stomach cancers, um, because we didn't have you know, refrigeration, freezing, you know, the primary methods for storing food were canning and preserving and vinegars and what have you. And people ate a tremendous amount of vinegared foods. And those things over time, they're bad for your stomach lining, they're bad for your stomach, and people would develop these stomach cancers. Stomach cancer incidents have gone way, way down because we eat more fresh fruits and vegetables. It's not the fact that the fresh fruits and vegetables are better for us. It's that we're not eating these irritants anymore. And now people want to go all the way back and say, Well, you know what you need is some apple cider vinegar. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, Well wait a minute. What that, that's the thing that was put the stomach cancer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. I, you know my we should we should probably wrap up. Um Okay. okay. Uh let's see. Uh now I, we know of course that you guys do do a podcast. Uh Cognitive dissonance and I'll provide links to that. Um, my, I always have kind of like a, a, a final question that I ask my, I ask my, my guests if if you were to uh, if you were to join a science fiction or fantasy armed forces uh, based solely on the, the, the uniform, how cool the uniform is which, which science fiction or fantasy armed forces would you join?
1: Oh gosh, this is easy for me. Oh, this is super easy. I'm going. Uh, I would be a Sith Lord, I think. I think you have to go. I mean, first off, roomy clothes. I you you could let junk air out. Like, you don't have to even, you could could free ball it in those robes. No one would know. No one would be any wiser. And the coolest accessory ever in sci-fi is the lightsaber. So I got to go with Sith Lord on this one. All right. No, but,
0: that, but that's Jedi as well. Like, why?
1: Yeah, sure, I guess, but, you know, you, they don't have the cool colors. Like, you got to go with the red lightsaber over the blue and the green, that's I think. That's true, that's true. Yeah.
2: Right. And
0: Tom? Yeah, I'd be an Ent.
2: I mean, there's no real uniform at all. You get to be naked all the time. <laughs> you get as big as you want. That's a sign of growth. Yeah. You know? <laughs> You're basically sleeping all the time. Yeah.
1: And, Tom, you move at that speed anyway. Like I'm already glacially
2: paced. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think if we're, for pure uniform, I'll wear bark and nothing else. <laughs>
0: All right, cool. Okay, well, thanks, guys. Enjoy the rest of your, uh, your Sunday. Thank thanks, you. Carl. Thanks for having us on. All right, bye-bye.